This is Jay of the Dead, your host of Horror Movie Podcast. If this is your first time listening to our show, this particular episode that you're about to hear is part five of a five-part series on the Halloween franchise. So you should actually go back to episodes 27 through 30, where we review all 10 movies of the Halloween franchise in order, film by film, and we go very in-depth. So for this episode, our franchise overview, it's simply a bunch of big Halloween fans sitting around and very casually talking about the series. This is kind of like a fanboy episode, so listen to this one last, not first. Also, you're going to hear some random clips inserted into this show. They come from the documentary Halloween 25 Years of Terror from 2006. So without further delay, enjoy our fifth and final part of our horror movie podcast, Halloween Extravaganza. The huge success of Halloween brought forth a slew of imitators as soon as the 80s began. And I suppose in a way it it just started a new generation of uh, of films. And whilst there have been other things before, like Black Christmas, I think kind of it it definitely was the death knell for hammer horror films and kind of gothic horror. The immediate thing that happened was about a hundred other people set out to make exactly the same film. Friday the 13th is Halloween done again. There were hundreds of pictures that tried to be Halloween. Happy Halloween and welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about Halloween movies. We usually produce a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, but for the month of October, to celebrate Halloween, we've brought you a five-part series featuring in-depth reviews and analysis of the entire Halloween franchise horror movie podcast style. So for episodes 27 through 31, you've gotten a new podcast released every Friday this October, with the last one releasing today on Halloween. And this show that you're listening to is episode 31. It's our fifth installment in this five-part series. And tonight we're going to be covering an overview of the entire Halloween franchise. And this is no holds barred, no restrictions. You can cross-reference as much as we want and spoilers are fair game. So if you haven't seen the movies and you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen to this just yet. And we'll be talking about a little bit about the 2006 documentary Halloween 25 Years of Terror, among other things. Anyway, I'm your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City. And my co-hosts tonight are... Dave, Dr. Shock Becker, from the uh, suburbs of Philly, PA. And Wolfman Josh. How's it going, Jay? It's good, buddy. Welcome. Thanks for being here. So we've had a blast. And what we have done, now that we've reviewed all 10 of those films... We've joined here with the three biggest Halloween fans that we know. (laughs) At least for me, these guys are literally the three biggest that I know. The first one is Halloween Fanatic, who helps keep horror alive. He plays in the indie horror film Honey Spider, and he is the original Creepshire himself. We welcome back a Southern gentleman, the host of Land of the Creeps, Greg Amortis. Oh, boo! It's Halloween. What's up, Jay Wolfman, Doc, man? Stoked, man, to be here talking about Halloween again. And I get to cross-reference. What the, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's all like a chicken bone tonight in the dirty South, Wilmington, North Kakalaka, buddy. (laughs) That was great. 
I wish I could do that with my hometown. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to go up north and go, you know, from the north. I, I guess you couldn't do Utaka like a, I don't think that would work. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right. And now here to help us is a man who, without question, is also one of the biggest Halloween fans. He always speaks straight up with candor, and his approach to film criticism is nothing short of acerbic. He hails from Kentucky. He is one of the hosts of the Land of the Creeps horror podcast. He is the man, the meat, the legend, Haddonfield Hatchet. Hello. Hello. It's, it's <laughs> short and sweet to the point. Um, That's what I like about you. Yeah. Well, it, it finally. That's all I'm saying is finally. <laughs> yeah. You know, I get to. I actually get to talk some Halloween. All of them. <laughs> the Thanks. man with any words. <laughs> don't. Hey, just just don't get me on a rant. That's all I'm going to say. Hello. No rants tonight because I will go on forever. <laughs> I would like to hear one of those rants, actually. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm a you might get to hear it, but everybody else might not because I'd be like, hey, you might want to put some bleeps in here. <laughs> okay. I got you. And then the third man we're bringing in here, he is the writer of the new feature-length horror film, Honey Spider. And he is also the owner and operator of the Myers House NC. He is the Pumpkin King, Kenny Caperton. Welcome back. What's going on, you guys? Hey, buddy. I'm coming in from good old North Kakalaki myself. Yes. I I am bowing to Kenny Caperton. Guys, I'm telling you, there is not a bigger fan in this world of the Halloween franchise, in my opinion, than Kenny Caperton. So I am bowing to you, Kenny, my brother. (laughs) Put his money where his mouth is, that's for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little crazy, a little crazy. I mean, even in like in the documentary Twenty Five Years of Terror, like somebody talks about how much money they've spent on Halloween paraphernalia, but that still isn't even close to a house, right? Like, I mean, no, no way. I'm making, I'm making payments every month on my um big payments every month on my collection. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. So the first thing I want to ask you guys, I'm just dying to do this. Today, as this episode releases, it is Halloween. Hopefully, people are listening to this late on Halloween night after they've watched John Carpenter's. And I want to know here, what did you guys do on Halloween of 2014? Oh, let me start. Yeah, do it. This is easy. I literally am at Kenny Caperton's house at this moment at the Halloween bash of all Halloween bashes in front of the Myers House NC, rocking it out, baby. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, like I am it. I'm on remote right now. Literally, I'm remote at Kenny's house. I'm outside his window right now going boom. <laughs> <laughs> you and who knows how many other people are gonna be like sprawled out on my lawn. <laughs> One zillion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we know so it sounds like we know what you're gonna be doing, Kenny, right? Yeah, we're having a huge Halloween party um on Halloween night this year. Tonight. And when people are listening at the house, we're you know, going to be uh, projecting um, John Carpenter's Halloween, Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses on this giant 10 by 20 foot uh, movie screen. We're going to have food trucks out here, DJs, you know, Halloween music. It's going to be a good time. I can't wait. Boogie Man will be there. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, well, of course. And if people haven't, by this point, so right now it's you know, October 31st, as we've said, if they haven't seen Honey Spider, aren't you having a screening of it on November 1st, like tomorrow? Yeah, for any um anybody in North Carolina listen to this, the next day we're going to be screening it at a drive-in in um, Henderson, North Carolina, which is right outside of Raleigh. We're showing Honey Spider and... Um, House on Haunted Hill starring Vincent Price. So it should be an awesome time. Nice. Okay. We're going to have people walking around scaring people in their cars and stuff. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love those kind of shenanigans. That's great. And uh, Haddonfield Hatchet, what are you doing on Halloween? Well, I would know what I would like to be doing is getting my wife off work early and making the six hour drive to Kenny's house. <laughs> so. Yes. Which is still possible. I think she might try to get off early, so but we ain't for sure. So if that falls through, I will be at the theater at 9.20 p.m. watching uh, Halloween on the big screen for the third year in a row. Yes. That's excellent. So, yeah, I'd been after the uh, uh, one of my friends. She's the manager at the theater. I worked with her uh, back at my first job back in the day. And I've been after her for like the last three to four years. Get Halloween because they always do Rocky Horror Picture Show, yes. and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. I need Halloween. Yes. <laughs> so this year they're going to do back to back, and like it's like ten bucks to get both or five dollars a piece. So uh, one of two things is going to happen: either I'm going to be on the road to North Carolina, <laughs> or I'm going to be sitting at the theater. So okay. it's a talk. So either way, you'll get to see Halloween. Yeah, one way or the <laughs> other, because. If if we leave at twelve, I can be at Kenny's by probably around six or close. Well, you guys are welcome to stay here. You know that if you make the trip. Oh, yeah, nice. and uh, yeah, she's she's wanting to come see the house. So, and I'm on vacation. So uh, we could we could put you up in Judith room, Judith's room, and you guys <laughs> can bone all night in Judith's room. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Well, I think the last time somebody boned in Judith's room. Somebody oh yeah, I guess that didn't turn out too well, huh? <laughs> yeah, like, like 12 seconds later, the guy comes downstairs, and five seconds after that, she's got a knife in the chest. Oh. So you you would probably you would probably only last that long as well, huh? Yeah, she would probably be the one going downstairs, and I'd be the one getting the knife in the chest. I'd be brushing my hair with my man boobs hanging out. <laughs> Shoot! Oh, that's hilarious. You guys are funny. So, so far, I haven't heard anybody say trick-or-treating. I still have little kids. I'm actually going to be trick-or-treating and then probably watching John Carpenter's Halloween, to be honest. I know that sounds funny, but um, I really have a craving to watch that like this year after all this Halloween talk we've done. What about you, Wolfman? What are you doing on Halloween? I usually start out by stalking some babysitters, and then I uh, track down any and all of my extended family. Uh, and then I perform some druid rituals before riding away on a white horse. <laughs> Very nice. That was a good answer. I like that. Can you top that, Dr. Shock? No. Okay. <laughs> but I, I'm going to do what I always do. I sit here. We got tons of kids in this neighborhood. I mean, hundreds. We buy like three bags of candy and we still have to shut down early. So I'm going to be listening to the doorbell ring a thousand times and I always sit down and watch the devil's rejects. That's how, how I always fin finish out the evening. I know that about you. I know that. And yeah. the night before Halloween Eve, 
is you, is House of a Thousand Corpses. Yep. <laughs> yep. I love that little tidbit. So, what kind of candy do you give out? Just curious. Oh, we, what we get? I mean, it's it's the bite sized stuff, but it's like the you know the Kit Kats and the the, the small Heath bars and spooky uh, nerds. Spooky nerds are the best. Nice. Yeah, oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I haven't tried those, but yeah, I mean, we give out like some some decent decent candy. Okay. Last That's year, good some, candy. Last year there was someone here who was giving out the full sized. But the problem is they didn't realize how many kids that were. I mean, they're newer to the neighborhood. And they were like, <laughs> holy cow. I mean, they're not going to do that again because that, that's going to set you back a lot of money. Yeah. Well, thanks for not being the kind of family that gives out just those, like, sweet food tarts. Brushes. What about the yeah, toothbrushes no. and Listerine and crap? Well, that was, that was that? That's always the dentist. We always would go to a, to a <laughs> dentist. And, you know, we never wanted to go there when, when I was a kid. My mom was like, make sure you go to the dentist and you can get a new tooth. Yeah, sure, whatever. But, you know, we do that. And then you get the people who would, yeah, give you the apple. And I'm not a big fan of candy corn either, to be honest with you. And every now and again, you'd get a bag full of that stuff. We <laughs> always got generic candy, man. It was like not even like Kit Kats and stuff. It was like the generic brand. Instead of Kit Kat, it was like at Kits or something, man. I was like, what the heck is this? That's why you have to travel to the rich people's neighborhoods and get the yeah, full-size candy bars. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what you do. But I tell mm -hmm. you, I remember back, though, being a kid, every now and again, someone would throw those uh, candy cigarettes into the bag. Nice. Which I don't even know if they, I don't know <laughs> if they're around anymore. You know, I guess they are somewhere. But, um, yeah, they'd always just... <laughs> like Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Tijuana. I love it. TJ. It was great. All right. Well, I want to just do some honor here. Give some honor to Joshua, the Wolfman, because he loves this franchise, too. And he has been really committed and dedicated this whole month, um, as have we all. But I just want Josh to... I want to give you the opening pitch here. In this, what would you like to ask first or talk about first? Anything you want. Oh, geez, that's scary. Um, well, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> what, were you, what, what were you thinking? <laughs> okay, well, well, the first thing, I mean, not just John Carpenter's film alone by itself, but I want to know what you guys think of the Halloween franchise as a whole, how it affected the horror genre at large. Well... <laughs> Well, here's the crickets. Yeah, I was gonna say we're oh, we're off we're off to a great start. Well, don't worry, I'll edit it. Maybe um, as a nerdy. This bunch of loudmouths to be quiet for a minute. Then you know you've asked a difficult question. <laughs> well, it, it, you're talking the first. Well, the first Halloween obviously is what I think. Um, you know, you can always go back and say what what was the first slasher movie, and that's always up for grabs. But it's the one that started the craze. You know, it's it's the one that really started the '80s slashers because of how popular it it became and it was the one that you know sort of uh, set the standard for everything that would follow it mm -hmm. i respect what they were trying to do with part three and i think that would be amazing if someone was to do that a halloween themed film that was kind of a a new thing each year um but it seems like a lot of the franchise was kind of following the slasher mm. genre mm -hmm. maybe after maybe after the first one i would say by the time it comes around H2O, I feel like they're um, kind of on the forefront again, kind of re helping, along with Scream, obviously, revive the slasher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I totally agree with you. The If you look at it as a whole, I think the franchise, I think it's like the fourth highest-grossed franchise beyond, you know, behind Friday the 13th. And how in the heck Hannibal Lecter's series is ahead of them? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I don't get that at all. 
I probably but, just because it's more mainstream, I would guess. It, hmm. Yeah, I mean, it definitely crossed genres from action, drama, all that crap. But, <laughs> I mean, to me, I mean, when you take this franchise, I think it's totally different for me than any other franchise. It's, it's, it's like its own beast because of the way it went. I mean, not saying, you know, you get into four and five, you know, okay, but then you get into six and you start getting into the droid, uh, the droids and the whole thorn and then the weird things going on there. So, I mean, it did have its avenues, but they never went to space. I can say that. They never went to space. <laughs> they, they, never, they never went to hell and they never went to the hood. But they stayed, <laughs> they stayed on Earth, and, and but they did go to California. They did go to California. But when you look at the whole series, though, I mean, honestly, it is almost like a for me a puzzle. It you know kind of coordinates itself. Where Friday Thirteenth kind of went in different avenues, and then Elm Street went to good God knows where, and you know. So as a whole, yeah, there is weak moments, but as a whole, I think it's a really strong series that kept continuity somewhat people butcher me for that no it didn't but it did somewhat it's just me a complete franchise i love it the marketing scheme of it the whole boogeyman you know it's just Mm -hmm. a perfect perfect yeah with a franchise that's this big you know it's completely at the forefront of horror i think they did the absolute best they could do with keeping um you know the film's innovative and trying to stay ahead of the curve of horror, but at the same time, you know, sort of give horror fans what they want. And there's like, like Greg has said, there's some bumps in the road, no doubt. But I mean, I think they kind of stuck to what they really wanted to do, you know, that John Carpenter did in 1978. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple formula, right? And I Mm -hmm. think it works. And I think the times we're most annoyed with it is when it strays from that formula. Yes. Well said. Yeah, but it, it absolutely. But I think, I mean, definitely give the Halloween franchise credit for trying new things for, you know, for better, for worse. I think, you know, they they didn't do anything completely, you know, off the rails. They tried to, I mean, because you can only tell the same story so many times before. It's just like, why are we doing this, <laughs> you know, yeah. anymore? But um, right. I mean, it really did attempt different, I mean, it, re- it did attempt several different things. I mean, aside from Halloween three, where it was trying to tell a, a different, you know, a, a different Halloween themed uh, story, you know, switching things up. You look at H2O yep. where they just started, they started almost fresh again, you know, from um, ignoring the previous sequels, which are still enjoyable. I mean, I still like those movies, but the movie, they just kept sort of redoing it. Um, and, 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 you know, I think that's what I th- agree. I think that's what really sort of kept it fresh. And also, you have to take into account the budgets were probably half, if not less, than like a Nightmare on Elm Street. Like Nightmare on Elm Street Four is like a you know fifteen million dollar budget movie, as opposed to Halloween Four, which is like a five million dollar budget movie. So uh, yeah. they're they're getting a lot of scare for their buck. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. How about you, Meat Man? Trick or treat, mother. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they really did a lot of fresh stuff, like bringing in Buster Rhymes, who was kind of a washed up rapper. Put on some uh, helmet cam. I mean, granted, the mask was pretty cool. Uh, hey, the yeah. house is pretty cool in that in Resurrection as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it's not bad, not bad. I mean, I could have done without 
you know, Buster Rhymes and Juan in the Chum's basement lady. of catacombs and this like giant, like I mean, in this small house. Like I'm thinking, um, under my house, uh, you, you might have one little tunnel, and that's about that's about it. <laughs> you got crawl space, and all of a sudden you have the uh, entire catacombs under the city of Paris, France, yeah. underneath the Myers house. Above, so below the Myers house. <laughs> yeah. uh, that would well be pretty done. awesome. Yeah, yeah, it would. Yeah. <laughs> I, the whole franchise, I mean, I don't, I don't really have any major issues other than, like, the recasting of Jamie Lloyd, you know, mm-hmm. from four and five and then <clears throat> six. Uh, of course, Buster Rhymes. Yeah, that's that's kind of my biggest one. And, you know, and I kind of understand with H2O how they just re wanted to try to make it a direct sequel to two. Mm-hmm. And skip out the whole thorn and the guy in black and all that, you know. And then Halloween three was, you know, when it just come out, it was just like the complete bomb. But has turned into probably one of my favorite films to watch. So, yeah, interesting. Thank yeah. you. I yeah. love it. <laughs> uh, nice. Oh, 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 Jay, can I do this? Do Wait, it. Keep talking because I got to find it real quick. <clears throat> yeah, uh, do it. Go for hey, it. Hey, Sean, call me. Call me real quick, Sean. On your like cell phone? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, this is going to be horrible. This is probably him singing "Oh Canada" or some BS. Oh, I'm not singing, but I want you to hear my <laughs> ringtone. God, it takes a long time from Kentucky to North Carolina. <laughs> well, I just hit the send button, Jack Wagon. <laughs> Jack Wagon. <laughs> That's my ringtone, baby. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, see, I, uh, yeah, I'm going to go on iTunes and find that now. And then when my wife calls me. <laughs> and she's gonna. Uh, when somebody calls me, she'll hear it, and then she's gonna be like, "I hate your guts." No. <laughs> so you guys, you, everyone, call Greg Morris on Halloween, so his phone has a misfire and it explodes on him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then like corn like, and like some kind of weird stuff's gonna come out of his head. Yeah, this giant blue '80s tasket, you know, gray is gonna come out of his head. <laughs> I do. I do have one thing about Halloween Six, and it just hit me. Go ahead. All right. When Paul Rudd is just wailing on Michael, and he just keeps going, I don't think it's it's not in the producer's cut; it's in the theatrical cut. The blood and everything coming out of his face is that green? I, I mean, yes. yeah, it's yeah. like really. Uh-huh. Okay, it's like what ninety five. Mm-hmm. You know, how about make the blood red? Just saying, it's not the eighties anymore. Yeah, yeah that that scene that always confuses me, and uh, I don't. I never know what I'm supposed to understand there because he he is injected with those fluids and I'm like, yeah, why is that green? Is it supposed to be blood or is it th- that weird fluid or so? So you're saying it's blood, Haddonfield Hatchet? To me, you would think it would be blood, considering you know that they kill him. Yeah, but but then all of a sudden, green is coming out of his face. I just don't make any sense. You know, just nitpicking, but because I watched the theatrical cut. On Netflix, and I watched the producer's cut yesterday when I got my box set. So I'm just, uh, I was just a little perturbed by that. Well, that was one of my questions, actually. It was just, um, tell us about the producer's cut. So if people haven't seen it, what do you think of it? Because it's supposed to be much better in the ultimate version of that film. It's different. Uh, I've had the producer's cut on a bootleg for oh, quite a while now. I paid like $40 for it on eBay probably seven, eight years ago. And uh, the Blu-ray is just amazing. You know, because it doesn't go from DVD footage to VHS footage 
back to DVD footage. Mm-hmm. It's just there's there's a lot of different things, you know, like the Loomis screaming at the end mm-hmm. and the theatrical cut. It actually shows why he's screaming at the end in the producer's mm-hmm. cut. Uh, there's the ending is just it's completely different. Like the head bashing, it's not in there. Uh, well, what they done the producer's cut is basically zero gore. It's more of of suspense. They took away a lot of the kills, even the character Jamie, because we are spoilers now, guys. So if you haven't watched this, mm-hmm. spoiler, you know the Jamie Lloyd kill in the theatrical cut is the the farm equipment through the chest and all right. that. Well, in this one, she survives until the end of the movie. And then she goes out with a little, what was it, a throat slit or something? No, uh, Man in Black pops her in the head. Yeah, that's it. With a pistol so, and a silencer in the hospital room. Yeah, and then she dies there. So that was a major difference. And then there's the dad in the movie, the brother of uh, Strode Realty. But, you know, they had that whole dramatic you know, scanner-esque head explosion in theatrical, <laughs> that's totally took out. So they took all majority of the gore out. But they did explain a lot of things that were kind of wanting. When you watch the theatrical cut, there were some scenes that you're like, well, why is he doing this or why is that? And they went in a little bit more in depth with it in the producer's cut. Do you do you guys feel like it makes a lot more sense? Does it flow a lot better and so forth? Or is it still really weird? To me, it's really weird, but I'm going to have to rewatch it more than one time. It, it took at one time I was trying to compare all the scenes that weren't in it, so I need to just really sit down and watch it again to grasp what happened. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, like yesterday was the first time I'd seen it in quite a while, and which I'd watched the theatrical cut probably two or three times the past few weeks on Netflix, and I was just like, what just happened here? Because like the whole... and. <laughs> Because the whole gun thing, because like when you're watching it on a bootleg DVD and the VHS footage comes in <laughs> and it's horrible tracking, you know, you're, you don't, you kind of just like, okay, what's going on? I mean, you can still hear the audio and it's pretty crappy, but I had to sit and, you know, rewind, go back a couple chapters and it was like, okay, she's still alive. Where's the farm equipment? You know, which I don't know a whole lot about Halloween six with the producer's cut. Cause like I said, you know, there for a long time up until recently, it was just an anomaly. If you could find it, and it was like forty or fifty bucks on DVD, yeah. And it was a bootleg, so and uh, the Blu-ray is amazing, though. It's just, it's, it's well done. Wow, that's great. So it sounds like from what you guys are describing, it's significantly different from the other the theatrical release that we're familiar with. It's just like uh, almost a whole different movie, then. It, it, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's got a different. It's got a different feel to it. Uh, yeah. Just, it felt longer. Did it feel longer to you? It felt it is, like a it, longer movie. It is a long. I mean, it's you know, it is a longer uh, film, but I mean, it just seemed. It's almost like it was drug out a little bit more, and yeah. it explained a little bit more stuff. But <clears throat> I mean, it's. I think uh, the the theatrical cut was what eighty something minutes. I'm trying to find it here yeah it was 88 minutes producers cut was 96 minutes it felt a lot longer than 96 minutes it does it Mm. does but i think everybody jay honestly should see this movie i I really think 
every franchise, I mean, every Halloween franchise lover needs to get their hands on it and watch it, man. I just, it, it gives you a new feel of a film that you've seen over and over and over, and it's, it's different, man. It really honestly is. I was just wondering which you guys prefer then. Uh, I've not seen the producer's cut as many times as I have the theatrical yeah. cut, Still and in. it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just a completely different film. I, I don't really have a preference. I need to watch the producer's cut a few more times, and then I might have a preference. But I really enjoy the theatrical cut because it, you know, it does have a little bit more gore in it, and it's, you know, it's, it's short and sweet to the point. I mean, there's, uh, and the, you know, the whole thing with the runes and the thorn and stuff like it, it's drug out a little bit more, uh, in the, the producer's cut. But I'd say right now, with only seeing it maybe I'd say four times since I've had it, and then the new one. I would have to go with a theatrical cut. Yeah, same here. Same here, because I've only seen it one time. So, yeah, it'll take me a few times to appreciate it more. That's what I remember when I watched it, like back in the day, the producer's cut, because I haven't seen it in probably eight, eight or nine years. I only, I've only seen it twice. And, um, and like uh, Hatchet was saying, when I saw it, it was this super shitty quality bootleg. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I remember liking the, um, the theatrical cut a little better and that's probably based on nostalgia just growing up and seeing it that way but um is the is the quality because i because i don't know if i can bring myself to buy this box set i'm still contemplating it man I mean, it looks awesome but it, it is, is it is awesome but do you yeah. know how many damn times i have bought these movies i mean do you oh, have any I'm, idea it is I'm ridiculous looking, i'm right i'm right there with you king i'm looking at my 30th anniversary box set that's got uh one the you know television version of one four and five you know 25 years of terror i've got on blu-ray i've got two versions of halloween uh i've got two versions of halloween two now i've got <laughs> yeah and the fact tw- that they 27. just released all this stuff on blu-ray with like you know scream factory and stuff and now the box set it's like well, I haven't even bought the 30th anniversary. I just can't, like, I promised myself like five years ago, well, five years ago, I'm not doing this any, here's, here's, anymore. Here's, here's the thing with the box set. There's the deluxe edition, and then there's the complete collection, which is only a 10-disc set. The deluxe edition is 15 discs. It comes with a book. There's issues with two of the Anchor Bay... Oh, yeah, I heard that. Blu-rays. Aren't they, they like, skipping or something? No, uh... In part four, about the forty-something minute mark, the audio goes out of sync. Well, that's right. Uh, yeah, it's not even the same. It doesn't have all the features on it as the one that Justin worked on for Anchor Bay on Halloween Four. And I've seen on Facebook a few guys that comment on the our Land of the Creeps page said Halloween Five is doing it. On the Blu-ray, hmm. huh. is the quality of the Halloween Six producers cut as amazing as everyone's making it out to be? Yes, yes, yeah. See, I mean, like that, I would really like to see. Well, I mean, I'd like to have it. Eventually, I'll get it. But here, here's what's going to happen. They said you're only going to be able to get it in the deluxe edition or whatever. I'm going to call BS and say <laughs> probably in the next month to two months, maybe the, the producer's cut will be on a Blu-ray by itself. Of course, that's, that's, oh, yeah. that's soon. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be sooner than later because everybody's wanting it. Well, dude, but, if um, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all out, just get the 15 disc box well, and then just sell all my other, yeah. <laughs> other stuff. I mean, it's like, yeah. I live in the house. Do I need 50 copies of this movie too? <laughs> well, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, also the Rob Zombie Halloween 
the disc is stamped like region B or something like that, hmm. which is, I don't know the, the label. Uh, it wasn't like a, a Canadian release or something. I think it was Australian. Oh, that's right, Australia. But that's, it's, that was it's, so bizarre. I mean, who? How do you miss details like those? Yeah, I mean, they're like there's <laughs> severe. I mean, there's some issues with it as far as like the audio syncing. I mean, if you're going to put this much money into it, and and here's the kicker: Scream Factory is not going to replace the discs because the discs that have the errors are Anchor Bay. So Anchor yeah. Bay is going to be the one that are the ones right now that are fielding all the questions and the oh, complaints. Crap. Yeah. So. Wow. Where it's all convoluted, where it's like Miramax Dimension yeah. or whatever it's called now. Then you got Anchor Bay in, you know, Screen Factory, Shout Factory, what have you. It's 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 kind of turning into a debacle. And then <laughs> the way they packaged the box set, they put the glue on the, they've got like an outside wrapper that tells all the stuff. If you don't take a hairdryer and heat that glue up, you're going to rip the paper. Jeez, uh, we are I, such geeks. I've been at the bottom of time and I've about a ballistic. Well, Double H had his hair dryer out anyway. He was just, you know, <laughs> yeah. poofing, it, poofing his hair up a little bit. The reason why I, I pulled out the hair dryer is because I got on the Halloween uh, movies uh, message board and people were bitching message about board. it. Those still exist. Yeah. And they actually still use it. And there's a lot of people get on there and bitch and complain, which is funny. So I was reading about the box set and people were showing pictures that like it ripped. And even some of our followers yeah. on Land of the Creeps had posted pictures and you could see it. But mine ripped on the bottom on where it was just the straight black uh, cover. Everybody's is ripping. And I, I was able to get mine off without heating it. But I'd already seen people doing it and ripping it. So I took extra care when I took it off. So I, just, I just took her hair dryer and turned it on hot and held it for about two minutes and got it all off there. And then I took a Sharpie and the part that I screwed up, I just covered it up in black. But I mean, you can't really see it, but I mean, there's a lot of people, I mean, they've people have been waiting for this box set, you know, and then to come up and there, you know, be issues with the syncing of the audio. Some of the special features, like on the Halloween four discs, the uh, Halloween four panel, it's not on there. Um, so it, I mean, I, it's still pretty impressive box set. I it, mean, for that they yeah. actually put it together, and the artwork the is beautiful. Daddy. I mean, it's the Mac Daddy box yeah. set. If it if it hadn't been for the producer's cut being in there, I don't know. I'd about it. Go go to my YouTube channel, Jay, and look at how many Halloween movies I have. I'd own it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just wasn't in a hurry. Like I got it for uh, it was uh, I ordered it off of Amazon and then I canceled it. And then I just kept waiting. You know, I tried the whole Turner Classic movie shop or whatever. Yeah, me too. I don't even, you know, hey, you know, you can't help for trying. You have 8,000 right. orders and only 500 copies in stock, which I call BS too. But uh, I just kept waiting. And I'm an Amazon Prime member, so I had a $20 gift certificate. And then it just kept going down. And it went down to $94 within like two weeks or a week. Might have been a week. So I picked it up and I got it for $84 because I ended up getting, you know, we have to pay tax here in Kentucky from Amazon. So do we in PA. And uh, then uh, I ordered, I got the next day shipping, which was a dollar or no, three ninety nine instead of the two day shipping because I wanted it so I could watch it. So I got nice. it for us, you know, so, $84, $84, something like that. So there were some things that Josh has been lamenting along the way that were not included 
And Josh, after you've heard what you've heard now, do you think you're going to buy it for the producer's cut or are you going to wait it out? And they've got, they've got me feeling really torn now with all these problems. I don't like, ugh. because the biggest thing I wanted to know, um, like especially parts four and five on the DVDs, there is all this extra content and the special features that's not on the Blu-ray um, mm-hmm. that Justin made. And so I was a little annoyed, like that I had to keep hold on to my old DVD in order to watch some of those special features, like commentaries and stuff that didn't make the transfer. But I was told those were going to make it onto uh, the box set. But now it's like, well, if I have to yeah, they're, replace they're my have to replace my disc anyway, then it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Well, what I've done is I took my Halloween four that came out two years ago that the which it's the same one as Justin worked on, except there's no audio issues. And it's got the Halloween 4 panel. So, and then I'm going to switch out the Halloween 5 disc. And then I'm going to switch out that Rob Zombie disc because I have like four versions of Rob Zombie's <laughs> Halloween on Blu-ray. So, I'm just going to switch it out. So This is really a sickness, you guys. Yeah. It is a sickness. And yeah. the sad part of it is, is I went into Hastings and they had another copy of just the plain Halloween Blu-ray wasn't the 35th anniversary or anything like that and i was like you know i could just get that it's only ten dollars i was like you know <laughs> i have it but i wanted it again you know? Yeah. I know i'm such a sucker for the artwork mainly yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it is it, yeah. oh yeah and then the discs uh halloween four and five in the box set the disc art is different than the ones from two years ago and the ones from actually two years ago actually look better in my mind oh, yeah. so uh and, and, you know, the little book that come out, and it's all that, and, uh, you know, it gives thanks to everybody. And I do want to say one thing that Justin got screwed on because he didn't even get a thank you in the book, because, and he did the commentaries on 4 and 5. So, that's BS. Yeah, that's BS. I mean, it's, uh, that's my shout-out and gripe bitch at the same time. He, so. He's been a little disrespected on this project, actually. He was, he was posting on Facebook the other day. Did you guys see this where he was talking about the artwork on – the four and five Blu-rays, how yeah, yeah, they didn't want, yeah, they didn't want the painted covers, and now everything is all the painted covers, right? Yeah, Mm. so yeah, I just that's that's another thing that, and I was actually contemplating not even buying the set because of that, but was that is that a Cod's son? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, I guess. All right, I know, I I know, I asked you guys, I, I asked you this before, Greg. On mm-hmm. Land of the Creeps, but do you think there will be somewhere down the road another collection, another big set to come out? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, every time there's an anniversary, they're going to release something. Kenny knows that. I mean, when you come up to H two O having thirty year, there'll be another release. There, this is a cash cow. I mean, that's what a franchise yeah. is. Friday Thirteenth does. They all do it. I don't fault them for it. But yeah, yeah there, I mean, there'll if this be is a update. huge success, they're absolutely yeah. going to make another box set at some oh, point. But yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind that they wouldn't. I mean, okay. it's it's just finally they they did the logistics of all these different production yeah. companies getting together right. and like knocking you know knocking each other out and having figured out some sort of un- deal. Perfect. And now that that's done, and yeah. see that's know. and that's one of the things that really bother me is that there's so many companies involved. With Halloween, it's like I don't know why Trankus doesn't just try to get the rights back. They don't have and, the money, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's of course. But you know what? 
if they would make a movie that doesn't have a white horse in it. <laughs> you know, exactly. I mean, I think I think they they were they just released or they're about to release Malika Cod. Um, I think he directed his like first film when they're releasing Trinkuses. Forget what it's what it's called, wow. but I um, might want to sure. check that out. I had no idea who was interested in filmmaking. I'm sure it'll make money. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to laugh. <laughs> uh, it's just, I, I mean, you got this franchise, and you got one of the most iconic horror maniacs of all time, and you, there's just no consistency, and you would think that instead of worrying about, let's make Funko bobbleheads. You know that'll sell for fifteen bucks or twenty bucks or whatever. It's you know yeah, granted you're going to sell the license to make money. That's understandable. I I get that. But if somebody comes to you with a pitch, and I guess now they have to go through Dimension or whatever the Weinstein's, mm-hmm. and you know I guess that's just like being like having your balls hit with a hammer, but. <laughs> I mean, is that even is that even the Weinstein's anymore? I know it's yeah, Disney. It's, I know Disney owned it, but I, it's well, it's it, it'll go. It'll have to go through Bob and Harvey because, uh, from what I've uh, read and uh, heard, when Todd Farmer and Lussie, Patrick Lussie did their Halloween three, uh, it actually had to go through uh, with Malik and the Weinstein's, from my hmm. understanding. Yeah, they they sold they sold Miramax to Disney, but something happened different with Dimension because Bob still runs Dimension. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that that was separated out. That's right. Okay. So interesting. I mean, the fans want another movie, and they keep saying Halloween 3D, Halloween 3D. You know what? Cut the 3D off. I mean, it's you know unless they do it like My Bloody Valentine 3D, it's gonna suck. Right. I mean, hmm. that's that's just a given, but. Uh, what are you yeah, saying? They put 3D on there. It's already. I mean, 3D <laughs> yeah, is kind gimmick. of done. Yeah, yeah it's 3D a is that's the only really, reason they're going to put it on there. It's starting to I mean, wind it, down now. I think again. Yeah, I mean, at the level of Halloween, I mean, this is not going to be some huge budget movie. So, yeah. I mean, nowadays, if you're going to do a 3D movie, it's got to be like IMAX 3D to be impressive. There's yeah. no such thing as like kind of a low budget, cool 3D movie anymore. This isn't the mid 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I think My Bloody Valentine 3D was successful and that was, you know, that was before the big 3D heyday that we're in right now. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, that that was when, you know, when 3D you know, wasn't done to death. That was kind of one of the first ones to do it. Yeah. yeah. And luckily they did it really, really well. I would yeah. argue that that film actually helped revitalize 3D and make it. Absolutely. Especially oh, in horror. It definitely did. There's no doubt of that. But, yeah. you know, sadly it did. And I mean, it, it's one of my favorite movies to watch. And in 3D, the 3D was done right. It was done the way it needed to be. But to carry that over and maybe to do it Friday the 13th, in 3D or just all these 3D horror films. I mean, you know, it's time to go. People don't want to pay. Don't get me wrong. I love 3D movies, but people, they, I don't know. In just this day and age of filmmaking, I think 3D works best in horror movies when it's kind of over the top and cheesy. I mean, you know, and, and, and just stories, you know, in 2014, you know, everybody takes stuff so seriously and there's, you know, such a huge history behind this. You're just setting yourself up for failure yeah. because, uh, <laughs> you know, every just 
so many people have a problem with it, but I think they're just looking for a different twist they can put on the franchise that doesn't necessarily involve uh, another story reboot or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to have to come up with a story reboot because I don't see a way. Well, I mean, I mean, there's probably always a way, but I don't see a uh, way that is going to to appeal to the the vast majority of the fans. I mean, honestly, if they would take the route that Halloween three wanted to take, <laughs> that would be. I mean, that would yeah. be to me the yes. best thing to do. It would never fly. It would never go over. It would epically fail. But that would be if 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 I had a vote, that's what it would be. It would just be a story that takes place on Halloween every year. What if they just straight up reboot Season of the Witch in 3D? That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be freaking amazing. Yeah, I would go in 3D that. and just total 80. Like, oh man, that'd be epic. That would be. I would get behind that for sure. Just like yes. your cheesy ripoff. But see, it, you would have to have Tom Atkins in it because, or at least just his mustache. Well, like your 3D glasses would be built into a mask that you had to put on. Because Tom Mackin is the man. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts around that. I mean, if they could come up with some way to incorporate, like, Michael Myers to where he, I don't know, to where he wasn't completely in the forefront, and they could do some sort of, like, you know, kind of like Marvel spinoff type thing, you know, it's still, it's still incorporate, you know, the concept of Halloween 3, but also have a franchise that includes Michael Myers and just kind of make it a mega franchise. I don't know if they, I mean you would have to hmm. really think of some interesting ideas. Yeah, you're speaking my language. This is getting interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you, you could. I mean, like I, the Halloween franchise is big enough to do spinoffs and stuff like that. I mean, sure. everyone loves Halloween horror films. I mean, it's a. I don't know. It's like yeah. trick or treat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, yeah. if if you put. You know, if if they produce something like you know, like Trick or Treat, I mean that right now, I mean that's a a cult classic, and that movie's just going to get nothing but bigger and bigger and bigger with time. Yeah. And they see they're going to be, and they're doing a sequel too, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, they announced it last Halloween. I haven't really heard much from it. Yeah. Hmm. I wish they wouldn't, but I'm I'm still very intrigued. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see how they go from there. But I mean, if it's going to be, you know, say three or four more different anthology stories. Might work, you know. But I don't think I want a Man in Black movie. You know, I no. wouldn't. I wouldn't want something no. like that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't know. That would be kind of interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could go and do a backstory of Thorn and have Michael in the background. And and by the way, does anybody find it creepy that Michael in the producer's cut was the father of that little kid? So he did his own cousin. Yeah. Anybody else find that creepy? I'm from I West mean, Virginia. It's not creepy at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm from Kentucky. That's in the Constitution in West Virginia. That's right. That's right. I'm originally from West Virginia, too. So That's what I like. My mom's from West Virginia, small so world. Whatever man. goes. That's, that's yeah, so, right. brothers and sisters in Kentucky is okay, but I don't know about cousins. That's a little, <laughs> that's a little, that's a little high profile around here. <laughs> Wild and wonderful, you guys. Yeah. Okay. Don't even get me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Whereas Michael Myers had been a villain who could appear in any home, this time the villain already was in every home, the television. It has occupied a place in the center of every household, and we don't question at all whether it should even be here.
here's my next question for you guys. I'm really wondering about this. The Wolfman has said some interesting things along the way that have been intriguing to me. And at one point during these reviews, he said he was maybe recommending perhaps the best line to take as you watch these sequels, like which order to watch the movies in. So let's just play a little game here. If we have a listener out there who's young and hasn't seen these movies, if you were going to recommend the best route to take through these movies, like which films would you tell them to watch in which order? And let's start off with Josh, because I know he's got some thoughts on this. I would just say watch Halloween 1, 2, and H2O. And then if you're super stoked on that as a series, go back and watch 4 and 5, and then you can start dipping your toes elsewhere. <laughs> nice. See, you have thought about this. I could tell that by how fast you put that out there. Well, I'm trying to make Halloween fans here. There's probably better ways the purists would say to do it, but I, I'm trying to make a new Halloween fan. So okay. I, think the, I think your best shot is 1, 2, and H2O. I like See, that. I'm kind of right there with you to a certain point. You know, me, I would do one, two, H2O because they're kind of together. And then I would watch three because I I love three because Tom Atkins mustache is awesome. <laughs> and uh, he can jerk down a lot. He can jerk down a lot of trim. So uh, <laughs> and then and then you have to go uh, to me four would be four, five and six because they're there. It's its own little storyline. Mm-hmm. And then I'd probably do Rob Zombie's Halloween first. Then Resurrection, and then Rob Zombie's Halloween Two. But it, Rob Zombie's <laughs> Halloween Two has to be the director's cut. It can't be the theatrical cut. Okay, I got gotcha. you. What do you say, Kenny? Hmm, this is interesting. If this is a young fan, I would say if you really want to get them into um, this franchise, and I hate to say it, but I mean, you would probably want them to start with Rob Zombie stuff. But I mean, me as a purist i would say just honestly watch them in order uh, as they were released because i feel like each one sort of captures a you know a period of time and an era um and just sort of you know the the 70s the 80s and 90s and just sort of the the feel and it kind of tells a story of where horror was at and kind of where it was going so I mean, I would say ultimately just watch them in order. But a young fans, they're probably going to like Rob Zombie stuff better. But Let me ask you this. I've heard people say that they – in fact, it might have been One Sick Puppy on this podcast. People say that they didn't really have appreciation for uh, the original, 78, until they saw Rob Zombie's Halloween and they went back and revisited the original and enjoyed it a lot more. Hmm. But But I wonder – do you think you can show someone Rob Zombie's Halloween, a young person Rob Zombie's Halloween, and they're still going to be able to go back and enjoy 1978? Or do you feel like they're going to be left wanting at that point? For the intensity and violence that they're going to experience, the brutality of, of Rob Zombie 1. I, I mean, it definitely depends on the individual for sure and, and sort of their how much they're into film and what they've seen. But um, – yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, a young per, you know, a young kid is is probably gonna think, you know, the original Halloween is slow and boring. Right. <laughs> but hopefully, but I, they grow up and you, you know, and and become a, a fan of these yeah. films and go back and and when I think I think that's the big thing when you have an appreciation for film and you've sort of seen a bunch of stuff, then you can go back and kind of really want to explore the roots of where yeah. all this stuff c- came from, and you have a better sort of. Well, you wouldn't want to start a nine-year-old with Rob Zombie's Halloween. 
True. Where you can do the original. A nine-year-old watching Rob Zombie's Halloween is going to be not <laughs> good. up in the head. Yeah. yeah. Killing it animals. Might, it might be a little much. Uh, yeah, it depends on the age for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Meg, she's 30. And we actually had this conversation the other day. And she was like, I like Rob Zombie's Halloween better. She just, I guess it's the. She, I don't know. No, never. But, <laughs> you know. She's a blast, man. <laughs> Yeah. He locked her. He locked her in the basement for a couple of days. Well, she. Uh, <laughs> I guess it, to me, the only thing I can think of is that it would be because it, it's more fast paced for her. You know, she she doesn't really like a lot of older movies, other than like she likes the. I think the remake to the Birds better than the original Birds. Wow. So, yeah, that says something. And, but she's more of a music. <laughs> she's more of a music driven person than a film person. Mm. So, and I'm com- like complete opposite. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of people, they just, you know, watch whatever movie is kind of the popular thing and whatever's the popular show. And that's about as, you know, as deep as they get into film. Yeah. And, yeah. But, you know, some people, you know, dig a little deeper and hopefully they get to these original films. And, and there will always be, you know, people, you know, in different generations that are going to keep these films alive. I mean, Halloween, the first original Halloween is never going anywhere. No. no, never. Well, and I'm I'm the kind of viewer, I'm one of these people who's a little bit impatient. I think Doc and Josh will attest to that. But, oh, yeah. But <laughs> I, I, do, I do think that uh, the original Halloween still holds up really well because of the suspense. It is very yes. creepy. And now, if it were just a slow film and they didn't have the suspense elements, then it would... It wouldn't be what it is today and why we love it. So I think that's why it would be okay to show a younger person the original before you mm. show Rob Zombie because it's got it's got it where it counts. Yeah, yeah but it, I mean, I feel like the original, the suspense works when you're really paying attention and you're really into the film. Mm. If you're just sitting there and you're stupid iPod or your your <laughs> telephone, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna get into it. I mean, that's you. With with the original Halloween, you have to really focus on it and just turn down the lights and eat yeah. some candy corn and just get in the zone. And then it really yeah. takes you on an awesome ride. And I think, like you said, in 2014, it still, you know, holds up. But I would yeah. say you know, these, these damn kids, man, they they can't yeah. pay attention. <laughs> Add. I would say H2O is a good gateway drug for teenagers because I think those teenagers are probably the most relatable to modern teens. Like. Mm-hmm. To be able to get into it, it's like kind of funny and quippy and fast paced. Yeah, yeah. Just show them the like which one has the most tits. Just show them that one. That. <laughs> well, if they start with Rob Zombies, they're going to say tits and bush. So, <laughs> so I mean, they'd be like, yeah, yeah. I guess they're they're sold then. See. So, Greg Amortis, how would you tell people to watch this for the first time? What order would you go in? Did you did you give yours yet? I don't think you did. Did you? No, I hadn't. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards like Josh said, but Kenny made a good point. I mean, me personally, I would probably to introduce franchise would be one, two, H two O, and then like Josh said, number four, which has one of the greatest openings of any of the franchise. Yes, amazing opening to yes. a movie. Yeah, and you're talking man, about the um, all the ambiance, right? Oh, it, it sets the mood perfect, better than any movie I've ever seen. I mean, that number four is amazing opening. Uh, and then nice. five and all that resurrection would be way back. But I, I do agree with Kenny to an extent. I, I know exactly what Kenny's talking about when you go into 
in order because of the time period, because it is going to look different if you say watch one, two, H2O, and then you try to go back and watch four, which is going to be a totally different feel because of the the clothing, the talk, and all that. So it would be kind of confusing. But The mask. Yeah, <laughs> oh, the mask. But, I mean, me, one, two, H2O, because of the story plot, and then four, five, six, and then seven, and then, you know, later on put eight in, and then go from there. <laughs> okay, I got you. Doc, do you have any comments on this? No, I, I uh, agree with everything that's being said here, because I w- I've not actually sat down and watched one, two, and H2O. Uh, like one, two, three, and I really want to do that at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, it I've done one and uh, yeah, I, I think it would because I've done one and two before, but then H two O fits right into that, uh, and I think it would. Uh, I think it would be great to to do that. Yeah. See, I would want to watch one, two, and then wait twenty years and then watch H two O to really <laughs> get the feel. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a good one, Jay. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, that's something Josh would do in all seriousness. He's you're, you're very... not going to be here in 20 years on your diet, Jay. Come oh, on. come on. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Lots of candy corn today. That's great. Hey, candy corn is getting ridiculous because there's all different kinds of flavors. And I'm worried. <laughs> totally worried about that. Candy apples. You just got to go to the, you know, the original... Harvest mix with the pumpkins. That's the, yes. the classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is. Those candy apple ones are pretty tasty, though. <laughs> hey, Jay, have you ever watched Halloween on the big screen? You know what? I have not seen it on the big screen. You, you need to go watch it. Yes, I will. Jay, Jay's yeah. kind of against these revival screenings. It seems like we've talked about it before on the show. I I went and saw. You know, when when Justin did that short film that preceded. Yeah, uh, the screening yeah. a few years ago. I went to that screening, but am I? I don't know that I am. Why do you say that? Maybe I mean, you've said that before a couple of times. I don't know if it was on this show or on Movie Podcast Weekly, but you've kind of said, oh, "I think it's stupid that they." Well, it. when they're doing Ghostbusters 30th anniversary or whatever, I'm like, I'm going to see a new movie instead of seeing Ghostbusters. Oh, why? That's a great opportunity, yeah, bro. <laughs> like, because I, mean, because I would go see Ghostbusters. Because I actually I did see Ghostbusters on the big screen. Back in the day. But whereas Halloween, yeah, I mean, I'd want to see that on the big screen or Texas Chainsaw, of course. But yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, I I love seeing, you know, some of my favorite movies on the big screen. My problem is, is when they're, you know, projected digitally. I think, I mean, like when I went and watched Halloween, it just, it just did not have the same feel as it did when you watched it in 35 millimeter. There's just something about the authenticity that's just completely lost when it's just... Super well, pristine, and I don't yeah. know. I, I'm totally with you, but sadly, <laughs> the the days of film, unless it's like you know, one of the older theaters, and they, you know, for nostalgia's sake, they're going to show it, you know, 35. But most of them, you know, are converted over, and it just kind of ruins everything. To be honest with you, but. Yeah, I mean, if that's uh, the only way you can see it digitally on the big screen, it's absolutely worth it. But I yeah. love the, you know, the old school theaters and, and drive-ins that are trying to keep that 35 alive. Yeah, see, I want to see Halloween at the drive-in, but I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to see it. Because mm. uh, last year when I went and saw Halloween, I saw it at a movie tavern, and me and Meg went in and sat down, and all of a sudden I look up on the screen, and it's the main menu for the 35th anniversary, and I don't even think it was the Blu-ray. I think it was the DVD. 
and I was like, "What? What is this?" I was like, "I can watch this at home," you know. <laughs> I was like, "Right," you know. So it was different, but I would love to watch it as you're driving because I think, you know, where he's stalking outside and everything, and driving on a good dark night would just be creepy as hell. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. Absolutely, yep. that's so good. So, what about let's let's rank these in order, if you guys don't mind, because um, this is really interesting to me. And I'll just ask a couple general questions. First of all, is everybody's number one film of the franchise the original? Mine. Absolutely, yes. it is mine. If, yeah. If it's not, yes. you need to get off this podcast. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, my, mine's the original too. So I figured that. But here's what I really want to know. What is everybody's bottom rung? What is your worst, um, your least favorite? Start with you, Greg Amortis. Oh, man. It, it's a toss-up. <laughs> Resurrection's probably, and I watch it a lot, but Resurrection's probably, for me, that and Rob Zombie's number two. Both of them are the bottoms for me. Why, why is it, what is it about Resurrection that bothers you? Buster Rhymes, man. I'm telling you, I cannot get into this whole karate and <laughs> karate chopping Michael Myers and stuff. I mean, it was a joke, dude. I understood. Now, get don't get me wrong. I understood the internet stage. I, I didn't have a problem with them taking it that route. I didn't have a problem with them doing the hand handheld camera things on their head. I didn't have a problem with that. But just taking Michael Myers and putting them in a comedic situation that that just went over the top for me. I like the setting of the movie. I, I like the filming. It's shot beautifully. It's got some scares. But Buster Rhymes, if you took Br- Buster Rhymes and Tyler or whatever the heck her freaking name is out of that movie, it would have been a great movie. But <laughs> Tyra Banks, that, yeah. that's, that killed it for me. And we actually but I watch it, man. I've seen the dang movie 20, 30 times, man. <laughs> I mean, I watch it all the time. But yeah. it's one of my watches. What'd you say, meat? I said you can't help but not watch it. Me and Greg actually had this conversation about uh, Halloween Resurrection a few days ago. So mm-hmm. if, it, if it wasn't for... Uh, if it wasn't for I, Buster, it'd be an yeah. amazing, amazing film. But he just ruined it. I mean, he single-handedly, for me, took that movie and made it pop. And is it is it the white horse bit and all that stuff with Halloween 2, Zombies 2 yeah. that you don't like? Yeah, I don't like... And it's not necessarily that. I just I think if they would have kept it like the opening fifteen minutes of the movie throughout, that movie would have been like yes. But Uh then it went totally left field, and I was like, oh, zombie, what are you doing? I mean, it's still a good film. Don't get me wrong, but that if it had been the first fifteen throughout, oh, dude, Mm, right, it would be up there, way up in the rank. Totally agree. Okay, what about you, Doctor Shock? What's your bottom rung? I guess it would have to be, uh, well, number two, from Rob Zombie's number two because of The White Horse and because of Loomis. You know, yes. I thought they took him in a completely, you know, yeah. bizarre direction. Right. Um, you know, and it was already, it, well, he was already was sort of not that great in the first one. And then <laughs> where they took him in the second one was, it's like, wow. I mean, this is so completely off base from from where uh, Donald Pleasance had been. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, Such a throwaway kind of extra character in Ross. Yeah, and, and he was never and he was never a throwaway. He was always very important, very integral. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of the glue to the whole the yes. whole thing. Kind of, you know, 
trying to tell the audience how crazy Michael Myers is. Yeah, and this Loomis and Rob's he's just he's not likable. He doesn't seem really in, you know, intelligent. He has all these like weird motives going on and he just mm-hmm. kind of shows up at the end of the movie and he's supposed <laughs> to save the day and it's just the rest of the movie just yeah. yeah, he's. What's weird about that is he's kind of sidelined for a lot of the film, and it reminds me a little bit. It's funny because that's Zombies Halloween too. It reminds me a little bit of Rosenthal's Halloween two from eighty one. The way that Jamie Lee Curtis was sidelined, you know, at the yeah. beginning because of the hospital bit. I think that's kind of an interesting coincidence. Hmm. But yeah. let, me, let me ask you guys. I, I brought this up when we reviewed Halloween too, but none of you guys were on the line except for Doc and Jay. About, I mean, our guests. Um, mm-hmm. I have this theory because I think you know Michael Myers' motivations are much different in Rob Zombie's Halloween than they are in John Carpenter's Halloween. Um, you know, he's trying to bring his family back together essentially in Rob Zombie One, and so because he's not the epitome of all evil that he is in. Um, you know, John Carpenter's Halloween because, you know, he has this totally different motivation. Does it make sense then that Loomis's motivation changes too? That he, I think it makes sense to have a different Loomis for a different Michael Myers is, is what I would suggest. I, I would, I, I, maybe yeah, I see what you're saying and it does make sense, but I think it was, I, I don't know. I just didn't like the direction they took him in that movie. No, you know, you got to look they, at it. Yeah. I understand too. And I, I, I kind of do agree with you, Josh, but at the same time, you cannot separate John Carpenter's franchise to Rob Zombies. It's impossible. I mean, right. anybody that's seen Zombies Halloween has seen the original, so to try to separate it that much is is not going to fly with the, the Halloween fans. Maybe right. the ones that don't know anything about Halloween would watch it and be like, okay, that's cool. But to the fans of the franchise, and that's who you're speaking to. I mean, when you're doing a franchise movie, you're speaking to the majority. And right. to to crap on them like that is kind of like, dude, yeah, you can't pull that off like that. I, I mean, Rob Zombie absolutely meant well with his he, you know, he characters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the main thing he didn't like about John Carpenter's, you know, Donald Pleasance was that he was kind of just sprouting off all these crazy lines and he just seemed like a madman but of course that's what we all loved about him but just (laughs) like yeah you know but what um you know dave was saying i think yeah i mean just the direction he took just just wasn't a likable direction it was kind of a throwaway character but but i i agree for a modern loomis he, he should be a little different especially when we see him in rob zombies halloween like talking to little michael myers and you see more of their interaction and their you know early relationship but just yeah. where he goes in halloween too it's just kind of like uh he's just a you know a total crazy guy that's locked up and i'm just gonna make some money off of him he just it just didn't yeah. take it quite as serious as i think he should have like the original loomis that makes when, sense. I, when i went and watched halloween two, rob zombies halloween two. I had to sit all the way through the end credits to like, you know, I don't, I, and I had to debate with myself whether I liked it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, conflicted. Yeah. It, Cause there's parts I liked. There was parts that I didn't like. Yeah. There's know? some great scenes in Rob Zombie's like, Halloween too. I don't think yeah, anyone yeah. would argue that. Yeah. 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 The, definitely. The, the opening was phenomenal. 
Yes. Which uh-huh. I understand that they didn't want to go that much into it because they didn't want it to be identical to the Halloween 2. And luckily, I have the knife from that hospital scene. Yes, yes. you do. Yes, you and do. Tyler's <laughs> autographed his freaking wall. So wow. jelly. But, uh, <laughs> and then later on, like when the director's cut came out on Blu ray, which is sadly you can only get it on Blu ray. Well, you can get the unrated and theatrical on DVD, but you can only get the director's cut on Blu ray. But the interaction between Scout Taylor Compton and Daniel Harris in the director's cut was far more powerful than it was in the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. There was more animosity, more, you know, you're the reason for this, you know, kind of the, the blame. And they almost felt like, I don't know, this is like they were actually at each other's throats, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wish it would, you know, the director's cut, those scenes are awesome. I would have actually liked to seen even more of that, kind of right. conflict and your you know her direct relationships to her like friends and I think like, if the a, directors if the directors cut had been what was actually released I think it would have done better at the theater. Interesting. However, with that being said, he could have left out the creepy little weird things going on in there and her dreams and the freaking uh white the horse. horse. White horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on! I, 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 I love Sherry Moon Zombie, so I, I Sherry Moon Zombie. <laughs> I, I would justify the White Horse just because Sherry's in it, but she oh, awesome. come on, yeah. <laughs> she's great. But let's let's just look at her in normal life. We don't just see her in the White Horse. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> just invite her over for dinner or something. You know, you don't I mean, need to see it. I mean, but honestly, I mean, I really did like a lot of those images that Rob Zombie created with those dreams. I mean, some of those set pieces are pretty. You know, amazing. And I felt like that was a, you know, interesting way to get into Michael's head. I mean, just unfortunately, I mean, like you guys, I don't think it worked as well as it should. But I mean, I find that stuff so much more interesting than Loomis walking around, you know, in a limousine or whatever, trying to sell a book. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. I'm, you know, Malcolm McDowell was wasted in Halloween, too. I mean, it's like you said, he just, he was just there. He was like a set. He's just like a filler. To try to put him in at the end there, you know, yeah. with with what they did, and it, it it just didn't fit with everything that had gone before. It was forced. It was yes. Forced. It's like they shoved it in your throat. It's like the scene in Halloween. Rob Zombie's Halloween Two, with you know the Weird Al commercial or television news skit or whatever playing mm-hmm. in the, on the television. There's I don't know. I I'm not a filmmaker. And, you know, Rob Zombie's mind is probably got some great stuff in it. But I don't, I mean, they, I don't know. It he just, loves doing those little novelty yeah. shows. He does it in like every single one of his movies. <laughs> but for you Halloween, know, I, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It just, it just didn't work. And I think, and another thing, like, especially in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, are the kills. I mean, the kills are awesome, but they are just yeah. so brutal for the Halloween franchise. I mean, I feel yeah. like he, he goes way too far with some of the kills. Yeah. I mean, like Daniel yeah. Harris's character, I mean, there is so much blood in that bathroom. It's like, <laughs> this is the Halloween franchise. Like, let's let's try to, you know, leave a little bit up to the imagination. I mean, we don't have to spoon feed the audience <laughs> all of the gore. So it's a complaint for you that, that, that it's a little too gory? Is it just because oh, the absolutely. earlier films were... Um, a little more uh, stylized in, in terms of like trying to be artistic and as you said, leaving more to the imagination. Is that why 
you as a as a purist or what well i mean partly as a purist and also that's just kind of my flavor of horror i i mean i've always kind of liked the psychological stuff more than the straight up gore films i i mean i do love gore but i like a little bit of i don't know it's just when you get into the realistic gore and it just seems just just really brutal. I mean, that's the best way I can say it. It's mm-hmm. just, it just—it kind of loses a little bit of that sort it's of emotionally heavy. Yeah, I mean, it's just like when you have a hooker and you are beating her head against a mirror five hundred times when she's naked. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just like—I mean, come <laughs> on, man. Or when you're like, or, or when you know, in his in number one, when you're you know raping this girl in front of Michael Myers, it's like, do we really need you know rape involved with? You know, with the kill with him, break. I mean, this is supposed to be a huge scene in Rob Zombie's Halloween one with him, you know, escaping the asylum. And it's all kind of messed up with this giant rape scene. It's just, I don't know. That is only in the director's cut, though, right? Yeah, I mean, that's true. But I mean, I think that's the cut that he liked the most. But just stuff Mm -hmm. like that, I feel like is, it just, it's very distracting to me. I see. I yeah, I felt dirty after the rape scene, but I loved Rob Zombie's Halloween one. So, but I and I also think that the studio put put the reins pulled the reins in on him a little bit more on on the on his first one than they did the second one because I think if they'd have put the reins on him a little bit more on the second one, it wouldn't have been as tough as it is. But yeah. it's just, you know. I mean, and I like a, you know a lot of those scenes, but I don't know. I just feel like you know some of them just go too but, far. Some of it was forced, or actually a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, it's just like when there's so much blood, it looks like you literally just put a person there and put a bomb in, the, bomb in them, and they just exploded all over the bathroom. I just, I don't feel like that belongs in the Halloween franchise. Yeah. The, the, scene, the scene in Rob Zombie's Halloween, the first one, when Daniel Harris is getting drugged across the floor, and, and that scene to me was far better than her death scene. In, in yeah, I mean that was. One. I mean that was and, awesome. It was believable. And, you felt bad for it. Wasn't done in this gratuitous way. I mean, it's right. Just, and you get to see her tits. So yeah, and that's always fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, to, to uh, speak to Josh's earlier question, I really liked it. Um, the Loomis problem. I think it's important to have something as an anchor or some character as an anchor. I think it was Ron Martin in our review of uh, Halloween Four. He's talked about how. It was it was so important to be able to bring back Michael Myers in four, but also have Loomis because that that anchors you to the series. And when yep. when we don't have the same Loomis character, it, like if Michael's different, that's fine. But we got to have an anchor to help us be tied back. The other problem is um, Loomis in the original. He always told us how to feel about Michael Myers. He always filled in our understanding about him being pure evil and all that. And whereas this new Loomis, he, he doesn't really tell us, you know, help us understand Michael well, that's Myers. That's kind of what that I was level. saying. That's kind of what I was saying, though, because the new Michael Myers isn't just pure evil. He's this really complicated character that's emotionally damaged, you know, that's trying to, has a totally different, you know, point of view, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I kind of wish, you know, maybe the Loomis, if if he's still going to be Loomis, that he would try to fill us in on that. But you know me, Josh, I, I, I really don't like it that they made him less about evil and more about um, dysfunctional <laughs> background, you know. Right. Yeah. But anyways, so did we get everybody's least favorite? I'll tell you mine and everybody's going to be mad. 
My least favorite is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Oh. And I'm, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that, border, that border lines uh, kind of like thing. saying Jamie Lee Curtis can't act her way out no, of no, no. that bag. No, no, no. Yeah, so who wants to take over hosting of this show? <laughs> well, let me, just, let me just explain why. Okay, I, I know um, Pumpkin King that, yes, we do see a glimpse of Michael Myers in it. But I do. it does bug me that he's not in it. And it's just... Honestly, if you take off the name Halloween, I said this earlier, but it, it it's not really a super great horror film in and of itself. I think it has really great scenes, like when we see what happens to the kid with the mask. That's tremendous, but that film doesn't go far enough for me, I think. Wow. <laughs> Jay, wants to, Jay wants to see all of the kids die. Gosh. Yeah. I actually asked Tommy Lee Wallace, uh, when I'm the first time I ever met him, I was like, you know, how do you feel about everybody, you know, saying if you took Halloween off of it, just called it season of the witch. And he just kind of, he wasn't, he didn't really like that question. Oh, okay. And then I, of course, then I followed it up with, I loved it, you know, and I do. And it's just, you know, I think what gets most people is that annoying song, but I love it. It's, it, it's just a great, I mean, it doesn't fit in with anything, but once you understand what they were trying to do, which was, you know, like pretty much make the whole series an anthology, one right after the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and and then you know it flopped because everybody wanted to see the mask and Michael Myers, but right, well, it's it's just a great. I, I love the movie. Well, my one, my second to last, the one right above that would be Halloween Five: The Revenge of Michael Myers, and that one bugs me because it's. It's very similar to four, and that whole mind link just really yeah. I mean, it's me. weak. It, it's a weak movie. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. But it has kittens in it. <laughs> it does have kittens, <laughs> right? Exactly. It's got yeah. kittens. Yeah, uh, and I it's guess. got Billy. don't make boobies in the. Yeah, don't make don't make fun of stuttering Billy. Come on. Oh, I can make fun of him if I want to. He, oh, I was like, why did you go there? Uh, why? Why? That's why? terrible. I mean, yeah, it's big cookie different. woman. <laughs> big, <laughs> big cook, cookie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. It's still a good movie though. I and mean, when I say weak, let me say this, and I've said this on Land of the Creeps, Jay. When I say it's weak, it's still stronger than most of any of other franchise movies when i say weak that's not saying there's like friday 13th part five i mean (laughs) elm street four through whatever and and two and all that i mean Mm -hmm. the weakest of the halloween franchise is stronger than most of any of the others yeah i agree yeah yeah absolutely definitely so so who else are we missing on the bottom halloween movie here I didn't say mine, um, okay. but mine is definitely Resurrection as well. But I, I do need to revisit it. I probably haven't seen it in eight or nine years. It's been a long time. Ouch. But I think, like, thinking about it, the reason why I think a lot of people don't like Resurrection is because it, it there's nothing in it that feels super familiar mm-hmm. to the you know the franchise that we know. Like Loomis isn't in there. Jamie Lee Curtis is not in there. There's no familiar characters, and everyone's kind of I don't know. It just has Buster Rhymes, and there's all these familiar TV faces. It's just all very distracting, and nothing is familiar. 
Well, you know, the the whole Jamie Lee thing at the beginning, I think, was probably the only familiar part. And then that's true. And then I was just like, you know, which my bottom two are it would be Rob Zombie's uh, Halloween two and then Resurrection. Resurrection is actually well, it's above Rob Zombie's, mm. you know, and, and me, and Greg, we talked about it. And, you know, the more I watch it, the more I like it. But I have to just ignore Buster Rhymes in order to like it. Yeah, so I think, I, and and I think to me, and, and yeah, I just, it's the whole. I, I mean, the concept of setting it up, you know, like a like a you know Halloween horror house, you know, whatever, is great. And but get somebody that is not going to go in there and kung fu fight with Michael Myers. <laughs> and then be like trick or treat, mother, mm, you know. <laughs> no, I mean that's that's a no no, and I, and I think that's why it sucked. <laughs> now I've I've actually got it third from the bottom, um, Resurrection, and I think because of the Jamie Lee Curtis stuff, which I like as a capper at H two O, and because I like I love the use of the Myers house in the movie. I, you know, mm-hmm. spend this long to actually get to see the house again. And I like the incorporation of it. And, you know, I don't love necessarily the Paris catacombs, but I do like that at least they're back in the house and it brings, you know, Michael's yep. returned home and all that stuff I like a lot. But, and I like the, honestly, I like found footage movies. So I kind of like where they were going with that. I don't think it was yeah. executed as well as it could have been. But, um, but let me ask you guys this Did you guys like the character of Sarah Moyer? Because if it hadn't been for Rob Zombie, we may have seen what one or two more movies with her. Like, would you have been happy with a continuation of the series with Sarah Moyer as our? As I would our have. Girl? I thought she was a good actress. I really did. Mm-hmm. And she had a scream like a scream queen should. She's got yep. the look. She had the survivability. So for me, they could have continued on with that and would have been fine, in my opinion. As long as they left Buster Rhymes out of it. Well, yeah, I mean, but just to continue on (laughs) with that story, my fault, too, and and then I'll get right back to you, Josh, on that, but my thought was, did you not feel the cop-out of the death of Laurie Strode? I did not appreciate the death. I mean, it was so whimsical. It's it's a knife. I mean, she had fought for four movies, and then she goes out that quick and that easy. Mm -hmm. Well, the way I I almost think of it as an appendix to – H2O, and I think if you cap it on the end of H2O, I mean, I, I yeah. prefer the I prefer the ending of H2O, but if right. you were to add this to the end of it and just say, I, then I feel like it works. And I feel like her death, even though, yeah, it's simple, it's kind of poetic because what other way should Michael kill her? Either strangling her, that would be about the only other more appropriate way. I think it's great that they have this connection as brother and sister Mm-hmm. I like I like that he stabs her with a knife. I think that actually the way that she falls to the ground is really beautifully shot. Like when I, I watch that, that, it's really poetic looking. Like I don't yeah. know, I thought it was pretty awesome actually. Well, yeah. I think too one reason why that didn't really sit well with which resurrection didn't really sit well is Josh Hartnett got a little bit big, you know, so you couldn't really follow the storyline that well from HTO because. All of his family is dead except for John, you know. So logically, that would be the person that he should go after mm-hmm. to end it. But then, if you end it, then it's done. But true, I think, true. I think to me that that just kind of 
He'd probably know, do it now, though. So if, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I mean, you know, Hollywood homicides suck. So, so he know. kills Lori. He goes home in Resurrection. You know, we could potentially do, do the next installment and have Josh Hartnett back with Sarah Moyer. That'd be pretty badass. That would be good. <laughs> Ride it. Yep. I love That's it. That's right. And if it came That's out, it, Josh, we're we're gonna do it. And if it yes. <laughs> if it comes out next year, we could call it seventeen years later. <laughs> so, that'd be great. Shouldn't you call it thirty-seven years later? Well, just seventeen after the twenty years after nineteen ninety-eight, because you know we're yeah. following up after that. <laughs> but yes, that works too. Thirty-seven too. Yes. Yeah, the beginning of Resurrection almost feels like a completely different film to me. I mean, I yeah. sometimes I sometimes forget that Jamie Lee Curtis is is in there, but um, like Wolf, you know, um. Josh said, I think it would be cool to, um, I mean, to put that on the end of, uh, of H2O. I think that would work, but yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I like, that's a great suggestion, Josh. I like that. So Josh, did you give your very bottom rung? Oh, mine's Rob Zombie too. I, I like everyone else. I love the hospital stuff, but it goes downhill pretty quickly for me after that. Um, and I agree with Kenny. I think it is a little bit too brutal for a Halloween movie. Um, it's a kind of a toss up for me uh, with number six as the next one up. Actually, I, I really like Paul Rudd and Marianne Hagen in the movie, but everything else I kind of hate. So, yeah. Okay. But yeah, Rob Zombie 2 definitely is the bottom for me. Okay. So, do you guys want to see Rob Zombie do a third Halloween then to kind of redeem after this? No. No. no? You're done with seeing Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah, films. he's, he's I, done his too. Yeah. And I think he's done, too. That's exactly why. Because he's done with it, so I don't want to see him half-heartedly do it. Yeah, I think he took so much of an ass-beating over uh, part two. (laughs) No, he... No, don't... No. I I think that... No, you got to understand, and Kenny knows this better than anybody... I think Rob Zombie makes a film for himself. He don't. He knows he's gonna get bashed. He's got bashed all his life. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think that bothers exhausting. him as bad as you think it does. But for him to go in and do a number three, I think he done his two and finished it. I think you need to revitalize it, a whole new scenario, or bring it back to. Don't even continue with the zombie mask. I mean, you're gonna have to revitalize this thing back from scratch. So, who should direct it then, Greg Mortis, the third? I mean, there's a lot of good. I would like to see a young, fresh director. I mean, a Stephen C. Miller or somebody like that. I'd really like to see somebody young, fresh, that can pick up with the same, uh, you know, that same enthusiasm John Carpenter had. You know what I mean? That guerrilla warfare style, you know, get it done. (laughs) I I don't think I, yeah, I don't think I would want a polished director coming in because they're, they've just been in the business too long. You know what I mean? Give me somebody young that's fresh, that's eager to a fan of the films, of course. I would, you like, know. I would carry like Joe Lynch, Adam Green, Stephen C. Miller. Uh, see, so, you know, Joe and Adam, I would, I would kind of differ because they're going to try to bring in a comedic style. I would feel. I, yeah. I don't think with how, with, with Halloween that they would. I honestly don't think that. Maybe would. not, but yeah, I mean, just because somebody. Young they're they're, they're fans first and foremost of the of the films. Well, sure, and, sure, and, but they've and, got know, their direction style. They 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 uh, seem to always tend to put that comedic, which I love. I love Chillerama. I love 
all these movies, hatchets, I like them in that. But right. for but, Halloween, I think you you step out of the realm and get somebody in there young. I'll, I'll tell you who should do Ty it. West. Ty yeah, West. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Ty West. Yeah. I love Ty, Ty West. West. <laughs> I love him too. I'd love to see Ty West or Neil Marshall even. Ooh. No? Interesting. Yeah. Or Interesting. Mickle, would, be Mickle would be cool. Yeah. Jim Mickle? Yeah. Oh, Jim Mickle, yeah. 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 How about uh, Wolfman Josh? Yeah, let's there do it. you go. Absolutely. How about Ken Capered? I want Wolfman Josh so, to write the screenplay for that. I'll write the Josh Arnett screenplay. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> From what I heard, there was a screening of dailies, and somebody stood up in the middle of dailies and went, that's not Michael Myers' mask. And... It all panic ensued, and then everybody started freaking out. Oh my God, what are we gonna do? The mask isn't right. So a call went out to me to sort of reinvent the Michael Myers mask from Halloween 6, but we, we had to sort of make it look like some of the material that had already shot on H2O, so we sort of lengthened the neck a little bit and did some, some minor changes to it. I just know halfway through the film they said, we want to change the mask, and everyone was a little bit stunned because we had done uh, a test and a lineup with all of the masks from all of the films prior to this about three weeks before we started principal photography. And they had chosen very specifically the mask we were using for the first half of the film. Unfortunately, I think that they had gone behind Steve Miner's back, and he wasn't happy with seeing another mask appear on set without having approved or looked at anything. So basically, he went to some of Stan Winston's people and had them sort of re-sculpt to hopefully encompass what he liked about the K&B mask and what Miramax liked about my mask. All of these masks can be seen in the final version of the film alongside a CGI mask that was used for the close-ups and scenes that could not be filmed again. At this point in episode 31 of Horror Movie Podcast, we're going to announce our two winners of the Fright Rags Horror T-Shirt Contest. Once again, we want to thank Fright Rags for sponsoring this contest and for donating two free shirts. So check them out at fright-rags.com. So let's announce the winners now, and thank you for your email submissions. These two names were randomly drawn. Our first winner of the Dr. Tongue Day of the Dead t-shirt is Juan from Houston, Texas. So congratulations, Juan. Well deserved. And then the winner of our Splatter University t-shirt is Shannon, a.k.a. Crazy Whack Funk from Atlantic, Iowa. Congrats to you as well, Shannon. So Juan and Shannon, I'll be emailing you to get your mailing address so I can send you your shirts this upcoming week. But congratulations. And for those who did not win, don't be sad because you sent in your city that you're listening from. And that means that your city is going to be listed on the back of the Horror Movie Podcast t-shirt. Those are coming soon. And since you sent your top five Halloween movies in order, I was able to glean some unofficial statistics about how the listeners of this podcast feel toward the Halloween franchise. So let's take a look at that now. Across the board, every single submission, the number one favorite Halloween film was John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978. Every single time. There was one person who said it was tied and even with Halloween 2 from 1981, but this person still listed the original Halloween first, so I kept it in front. 
And the film that showed up the most in spot number two was Halloween 2 from 1981. That by far got the most second place positions. And then the film that showed up in the third spot the most often would be Halloween H2O, 20 years later, very popular. And then the fourth spot was Halloween 4. (laughs) So I'm wondering if there's a number association here or something. And then the fifth and most frequent submission that showed up in the fifth spot, at least, was Rob Zombie's Halloween from 2007. And so just looking at these, though, definitely the most popular films were, you know, as we listed them, Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween H2O 20 years later, and then Halloween 4, and then Rob Zombie's Halloween. Now, interestingly, I will say the least popular or the least voted for (laughs) or listed was Halloween Resurrection, which was only listed once, and that was a number five spot at that. And then (laughs) Halloween 6 was only listed twice, actually, and one of those was a number five spot. So I want to thank everyone who participated and sent in your favorite picks for Halloween. It's cool to know that everybody's pretty much on the same page, it looks like. And speaking of that, we also did an interesting little poll question in the sidebar at horrormoviepodcast.com. We had encouraged people to watch this franchise along with us. And um, maybe people haven't just voted yet. We haven't gotten a ton of votes on here yet, just 33 so far. But looking at this, the results of this poll kind of bore out very similarly to what we saw there with the uh, submissions of the top fives. And so it looks like as of today when I record this, which is October 30th, Halloween from 1978, that was watched the most, 21%. And then Halloween 2 is in second place at 13%. Halloween 3 is at 10%. And then um, it just keeps going down. And Rob Zombie's Halloween had a little tick up, which was at 9%. Okay. And H2O was 11%. Anyway, you can check that out on the site. And if you haven't let us know what you have watched lately, then make sure you tell us. The least watched film or the least revisited film on this particular poll was Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. So that's interesting. Even Halloween 6 had 7%. Just very happy about that because We had a really good time reviewing that on this podcast. So I'd like to think that maybe that review encouraged people to go watch it again. (laughs) Audiences could be drawn to a villain that has no dialogue, no personality, no anything, because all the surrounding cast was full of it, full of personality, full of everything, you know, full of life. And you're really drawn into, you know, Jamie Lee's character and Donald Pleasance. And you're like, really? So you could have this faceless killer. And it was terrifying. But once they started making all the other people faceless too, then you had like faceless victims and faceless killers and faceless movie. How many of you, I'm sure you guys have seen it and have it memorized, but um, has everybody seen Halloween 25 Years of Terror documentary? Watched it today again for about the 30th time. Okay. <laughs> it's been 14 years for me when it came out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's from like 2006, I think. And... uh. So Kenny. I, oh, no, okay, there, so 10 right? years, never mind. Okay. Was you there, Kenny? What? No, I, no, I didn't go to that one. I, I went to the 30th. Okay. That was my first question is um were you guys there in 2003 when they did the big No. Okay. Damn it. Oh. 
Well, yeah, I was going to go. I just I couldn't I couldn't get out there. I was still in I was still in college. Okay. Well, I I know Wolfman Josh, who is our resident documentary filmmaker. Um, and by the way, everybody, in case you don't know, Kenny Caperton is a um a filmmaker too. He has a new film called Honey Spider. Check it out. But Josh, I know that you don't love this documentary, and I'd like to hear why. Tell us about that. Well, I mean, it's fine for like a behind the scenes feature. I mean, it's worthwhile to have just for all the interviews and everything, but it's not a good documentary. I mean, it's not even close to like Crystal Lake Memories or something like that. It was, you know, we've talked about this for a while and me and Double H actually talked about this in depth. I feel like Halloween needs a really good behind the scenes documentary, like a really well-made Camp Crystal Lake Memories style documentary. Yeah, I, I still think we should do that, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, for those who don't know, this was like um, straight to video, I believe, came out in 2006, and it was uh, directed by, is it pronounced Stephen Hutchinson or Stefan? Stephen. Stephen, thank you. And it, it basically covers from the first Halloween all the way up to the um, the big reunion that they had in 2003 to Resurrection. So what are some thoughts that you guys have? Uh, I mean, I've only seen it a couple times as far as that goes. Uh, to me, I'd rather watch the 87-minute featurette a cut above the rest. Oh, yes. That's, to me, that is a, is a far superior uh, documentary style. I mean, it you could actually take that special feature off the 25th uh, DVD and make it its own, own disc. Mm-hmm. Even the bi- even the biography channel feature is better than out of that. I would say. <laughs> yeah, I actually have that, and it also features Kenny Caperton. Yes, nice. Oh. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Hutchison. He's I mean, he's not even a filmmaker. He was the yeah. writer for the Halloween comics. I've known him for a long, long time, and he's a huge Halloween fan. And I think you know this was the first time they were doing a big Halloween convention, and they were going to have so many people. Um, kind of in, you know, in the same area. So it's like, I mean, like Wolfman was saying, this is more of a kind of just talking heads. Let's see, like, where are they now? Type overview of, mm-hmm. of yeah. the franchise. But I would love to see, you know, an actual filmmaker, um, you know, do a documentary with, you know, it's visually, you know, nice to look at as well as has all yeah. the information there as well. Yeah. I mean, that would be awesome. And I think, I mean, I think that'll happen at some point for sure. Cause documentary filmmaking is becoming such a huge thing. I mean, especially on Netflix. I mean, it's like one of the biggest things on Netflix. Right. There are a couple moments in this that I think are really impressive. Like, like the way you guys have described it, I totally agree. And especially there's a lot lighter treatment in like the middle or higher up films, you know, unless there's some kind of controversy, they don't go into it for very long. Um, but there are some insightful moments, and I actually prepared a number of clips, and I don't want to use our time that we have our guests on here for just listening to clips, so maybe I'll just put them in later in the episode, but um, there are a number of pretty insightful moments, but there's one I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys about and just uh, get your feelings on it. it it's a, a Daniel Harris clip. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wonder if um if you guys mind if I play this because this is about her because I think it was Haddonfield Hatchet who has to take off here shortly. He he mentioned earlier how uh, he was bummed that 
she didn't appear in six. And so when we covered six on this podcast earlier, we were like, okay, well, we heard it was money or we heard it was like creative differences. Well, she addresses that in this talking head and it's really kind of humorous. Here it is. I didn't care for the script. I, I didn't really like the way Jamie Lloyd died, but I had a lot of fans that sort of loved me and for her to go out like that, I thought it was pretty crappy. So I went and met with the director and we sort of talked about different things and ways we can kind of work stuff out and wasn't really seeing eye to eye. So then it became, if I'm going to do this, I want to make a little bit of money. Miramax basically said your character is a scale plus 10 character because you die in the first act, which is about what I made on the first Halloween about eight years before. So I said, okay, if it's the way you think about me, even though this would be my third movie, then I don't think I'll be doing it. So Hadfield Hatchet, when you hear that clip, does that make you mad at Daniel Harris or do you sympathize with her? I mean, she, she's got a point. She was in two films. People loved her character. If you're going to let her come in and, you know, and especially if you're just going to do the theatrical or, or if you're going to do like the producer's the you know extra scenes or whatever she wanted to get paid i can't blame her for wanting to get paid i mean she was a kid she's grown up now i just i mean if you don't see eye to eye it's it's kind of like you know when they switch mary beth from hatchet one to hatchet two mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's you know yeah. yeah i mean she wanted to get the money i think she should have done it but you know well can i elaborate a little bit on that mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. If, on the new Blu-ray, if you on the box set, check it out, Double H, if you'll watch it. There's a new interview with Daniel Harris, and she goes a little bit more in depth about the whole scenario of what happened. And it's definitely worth watching on the documentary on the number six on the Blu-ray box set you get. Basically, what happened was the director or the Weinsteins come up and said, we've got to have an 18-year-old to do it. Daniel was 17 at the time. They had pretty much straight up told her no because she's not 18 years old. They were looking out for the whole school. She's underage, that whole scenario. So they said, if you can get to prove that you're an adult, then we'll look at it. So she actually went to a court system multiple times, spent $3,000 to get herself a certificate saying I'm I'm of age, blah blah blah. Wow. So when she went back to him, said, "Look, I just spent three thousand dollars to prove that I'm an adult now, <laughs> and everything." And they still, she said, "All I want now is just to get my money back from what I put in to trying to get this role," which mm-hmm. she said I shouldn't have had to do anyways, but she did. So that's the whole breakdown. Really, was that scenario. Yeah, a little I mean, bit I, more in depth than what she just said right there. She's gone a little bit more now. She just wanted to get her money back, at least back into the bank. <laughs> and, you, and you can't and you can't fault her for that. I, don't I mean, fault her one mm. bit. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, from what I hear, that whole Halloween six production was a total, <laughs> you know, disaster from the it beginning. Was. Yeah. It was. I mean, watch the documentary if you don't. And j- it may be on the other one. I don't know. I know they added some new features, but the new one on the actual new Blu-ray, there's a couple new interview documentaries. is amazing of how much turmoil they went through from start to finish yeah. between the Weinsteins and between the, 
you know, the other powers to be. And it was a constant battle throughout that whole movie. It was a disaster. And that's another thing I, I think that the Weinsteins need to just let go. <laughs> well, they're putting the money up, though. You can't let them go. Uh, yeah, you could take Halloween and get money probably put up from anywhere. Uh, and I awesome. know I know you could crowdfund uh, a Halloween film and yeah. make freaking bank on it because the fans would be like, heck yeah, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, uh, Haddonfield Hatchet, I understand you got to get going. I know you got to work and stuff, but, um, and we're so glad that you came and joined us on Horror Movie Podcast. Thanks for being here. Can you tell the listeners where they can hear more of your podcasting efforts? Uh, Land of the Creeps. Um, uh, you know, go to the Blogspot, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, get it there. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, at superdave78 and you can hit land of the creeps up on twitter at land of the creeps or land of the creeps at gmail.com we're always around and uh we're gonna be around for a while so every two weeks yeah that's right that's right and he's, he's my jackass <laughs> and you guys you guys covered the entire halloween franchise and i actually linked that it's in the show notes i'll link it again for this episode but in the it's in in the show notes for episode 27 all of your coverage on land of the creeps for this entire franchise very cool and you guys ended up doing a commentary on the original halloween and that's awesome so uh thanks again for being here buddy and you have a good night happy hey, halloween I, hey i appreciate you letting me come on and talk some halloween and it's uh it's good to be back with everybody it's yeah. uh, it's it's just like one big reunion yes sir yes that's oh, right uh, Cool. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Good. Take care. Take care, sir. Have a good Bye. one. Bye. Bye, Jackass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> bye bye. So let's just kind of go into our just final thoughts on the franchise. Anything that you want the listeners to know? Because I mean, we've spent all month covering this. It's been hours upon hours of Halloween coverage. And so, if you want to send them away with like a take-home message, what would that be? And I want to start with uh, Kenny Caperton since he's so articulate. Man, I don't know. I just, I'd say, I mean, just keep it alive. I mean, push for, you know, what you want, what you want to see, you know, in horror and, and hopefully we'll get a, a part three and I mean, I don't know, just have fun on Halloween. Keep it real, man. (laughs) Do you want them to just do a part three or do you just want this franchise to just continue evermore, Kenny? Just curious. Um, I mean, I think it can, you know, can go forever as long, as long as we have good writers and just fresh ideas. I think they just need to stick to the roots, kind of, you know, just make sure it's fresh, it's innovative. You know, I don't think they need to do one every single year, but, yeah. you know, unless, unless they're doing the whole Halloween 3 thing, then I'm completely on board. But, um, well, I know a writer. His name's Kenny Caperton, maybe. Uh, Maybe get you I don't want to take that mess. <laughs> you they'll, would. They'll come, and, they'll come and burn down my house. You would, though. If, <laughs> if you were approached, you would be like, um, somebody has to do it, guys. It's going to be me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know you would. Okay. Do you tell people to watch um, Halloween 25 Years of Terror, by the way? I know it's been a while since you've seen it, but do you think people should check that out, too? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're a fan of, you know, of these films watch you know all the the commentaries behind the scenes and documentaries it's always you always get some insightful information from um you know what happened or or you know how people got roles and and you know the stuff they like the best and 
what was complicated to film. I find all that stuff really interesting. Sure. So yeah. All right. Awesome. Dr. Shock, what are your takeaway message thoughts for Halloween franchise? I'm just continually not amazed, but impressed with just the, the, the intensity of the, of the fan base of this entire franchise. You know, you look at all of the other different classic movies, even the, even the franchises, Friday the 13th, um, obviously Texas Chainsaw Massacre, all of those movies have their, their fanboys, and, and, and some of them are very intense. But there's just something about Halloween that uh, it goes beyond that. I mean, this, this, is, um, this is a way of life for a lot of people, you know? And I'm just, I think that's great, and I think that's awesome. And I, I don't know that there's any other franchise that matches this. And there's a reason for that, and that's because it is, when you look at it, it is so good. I mean, there are so many good movies that make up the franchise. Um, and just how it's gone and tried to redefine itself several times and, and successfully done so. So, um, you know, if you haven't seen these movies, you definitely should. And, you know, we're talking about what order to watch them in, but I do think you should watch them all. Absolutely. Gregor Mortis. I have heard you sing praises about this movie for literally years now, for a couple of years, and you you just are one of the most exuberant, enthusiastic, and just, I mean, you are a ravenous fan. And so, how do you explain it? What is it that Doc was talking about there? What is it that you love so much? I don't know. I mean, it's it just is such a special movie. It's the first horror movie I ever remember watching. So, it's always that nostalgia it's it's that perfect storm it hit at the right time and the whole franchise itself like doc said i mean i totally agree with him that the halloween fan base is stronger than any fan base of any i mean i would put it up against sporting events anything i mean it is such a force (laughs) and i catch hell kenny you don't even know i know you know but I mean, dude, how many times there is not a podcast go by. I do not mention Halloween at least one time. <laughs> and I've caught hell for that. Like, dude, there's other movies besides Halloween. And to me, no, there's not. It's Halloween and then there's other movies. So for me, it's just that volume that it spoke to me at such a young age and it's never got old. Any other movie is not the same. It's it's Halloween and then everything else comes secondary my thought would be, Kenny, you said it. I mean, fans of the films, if you want more, I mean, they are very open to audience participation. Get out there to forums, get out there to Facebook, everywhere, and speak your 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 mind about it. I mean, they do listen. I mean, Resurrection is a prime example of why that movie was made was because of the fans, you know, because of this. So, you know, I would love to see us go on forever. I'd like to see 300 movies. I, I don't care if there's a thousand of them. I'll watch every one of them and I'll own every one of them. It's just, a, it's a franchise that from merchandising to promotion to movies to the whole nine yards, it's, it's the greatest franchise ever. And there'll never be one that'll top it ever in my eyes. Well said. Wolfman Josh. As long as they're making movies, 
and the mask doesn't suck, and then I'm on board. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and they I, can change it different times, right, Josh? You can you can change it, just make it a Michael Myers mask. As long as it doesn't suck, yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, you know, this is my favorite horror franchise. The first film is, you know, my favorite horror film of all time, or my number two. You know, based on, you know, the thing being in there occasionally, but, um, you know, it vaults back and forth between one and two all the time. I think Michael Myers, I don't know, there's something iconic about how simple he is, mm. but how complex. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Like it's a simple yeah. formula, but they're smart movies. And I think there's something about that combination that feels timeless. And so I think, um, I don't know. I think they created something really special. Um, with his character and with, and with his franchise. So that's something that I'll always love. And, um, you know, as you've heard over all these podcasts, I have a very conflicted relationship with the quality of all of the, uh, in all of the, uh, versions of the story, but I, but I do find ways to love them anyway. And I don't know if I want to see number three, just because, um, I hate to see that <clears throat> the same characters carry on with a different director. I feel like Rob Zombie's, um, you know, films are well contained, and I, I prefer if he would have stopped after the first twenty minutes of part two. So, um, I, I'd, I'd rather have somebody else with a fresh, different vision come in and do their own thing again. I feel like now that Rob has re rebooted the franchise, I feel like now we're at a point where we can kind of do alternate universe. We don't need to reboot from number one again. We can just tell a Michael Myers story, or even what Kenny was saying, maybe just tell a Halloween story. And I think that would be cool. I'd like to see that. I don't, you know, there was we talked about. And you know, I know people hate this idea, but like a full-on found footage Michael Myers film sounds interesting to me. Like I'd like to see somebody just give it a shot. Let's attempt it. Like mm -hmm. let's let's see how it turns out. You know. And um, so yeah, I think as long as they, you know, uh, Mustafa Kad was always fond of saying that Donald Pleasance was going to do twenty-seven. Was it twenty-seven? <laughs> I so believe he, it was twenty-seven or twenty-nine, something like yeah, that. Yeah. So he was going to do that many. Well, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, if it's good enough for Donald Pleasance, it's good enough. Good enough for me too. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, did you want to give out your ranking of these movies, like an order of favorite? Sure, sure. Movies? Yeah, like so, Halloween. 1978 is my top by far. Uh, H2O and Zombie 1 are really close behind. And those are like the top three by a large margin. Underneath that, I've got 4, 2, and 3. And then underneath that's like another section of Resurrection 5 and 6. And then Zombie 2 is way down below on the bottom for me. Okay. I got you. Well, thank you. I appreciate And just so people know, Wolfman Josh helped a lot with the... Um, organizing of this i mean i consider myself um a fan and an appreciator of halloween but not the way that you guys are fans i mean you guys are intense and i respect <laughs> that a lot but it's been i, I really do respect that but it, it's been a help to have um wolfman's feedback and he's given a lot of input into this coverage of this franchise and so um you know, I, I hope we've shown it proper respect. But uh, I want to say, I think this is an important horror franchise because it is uh, an ultimate story of uh, good versus evil. And I think that's one of the things that we love about horror films is that um, that huge conflict. And you can really see it in black and white, like literally with his mask. And, you know, it, it's just, it's tremendous that way. So, and as far as the films go, if you haven't seen... 
um, very many Halloween films, or if you're just kind of new to horror, um, definitely Halloween 1978, of course. Yes. Halloween 2, 1981, that's my number two as well. And then, and then Halloween H2O, I love 20 years later. Excellent. And then I think if, if you're only like, maybe you don't want to watch all 10 for some reason, but definitely get those three and Rob Zombie's Halloween from 2007. I think those four are absolutely must sees. Those were my buys, buy it for certain. And, um, in these ratings during this. And I also just want to throw in this, this Halloween 25 years of terror. I mean, I really enjoy that documentary. Actually, I give it a six out of 10 and I call it a rental at least. Okay. No, it, it's a buy. All the, the, the documentary. Yeah, it's a buy. Okay. <laughs> Greg Morris says it's buy. <laughs> buy it. I own it, but I would say it's an avoid. <laughs> oh, you suck. <laughs> you suck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, did did I leave anybody out? Did I forget anybody? Because it's big big cast. Okay. So just um, guys, just tell us your plugs real quick. We're so grateful to have you on a horror movie podcast for our Halloween franchise extravaganza. It's been a blast. And I know um, Greg Amortis has come back a couple times, and Kenny Caperton. We really appreciate that you've done that this month because you guys have a really busy month as well, and it was a big sacrifice. So I hope the listeners will check out these plugs that they're about to tell you. Greg Amortis, where can the listeners support your work? Uh, Land of the Creeps, of course. Landofthecreeps.blogspot.com, as uh, Sean said, or Haddonfield Hatchet. That's uh, Twitter. Stitcher, iTunes, all them good avenues. You can follow me on Facebook, Greg Morgan. Uh, we got our group page, fan page, Land of the Creeps on Facebook. I handle all that. Uh, you can email me, gregamortis666 at gmail.com. That's G-R-E-G-A-M-O-R-T-I-S, 666 at gmail.com. I love getting emails. I love reading them, so send me some of that. And uh, my YouTube channel, you can follow that. Uh, definitely check that out because you'll see my Halloween collection. I've got somewhere in there multiple times. <laughs> you always see Michael Myers. I talk to him all the time, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, just definitely check that out. And I mean, that's, that's my main plugs, Twitter, Greg Amortis. All right, buddy. Thank you. And what about you, Kenny Caperton, the pumpkin King? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show, you guys. Happy Halloween to everyone out there. Hope you're having an awesome night. But yeah, if anyone wants to come see my crazy house, um, just go to MyersHouseNC.com. Send me an email. It's uh, Kenny at MyersHouseNC.com. And uh, check out my my movie I have coming out. It's a Halloween horror film. I think people are going to dig it. It's a small indie movie. But everything about that is at HoneySpiderMovie.com. And when you say it's a Halloween horror film, that means that it's a horror film that takes place on Halloween. Absolutely. I love that. I'm so glad. And I'm in it, fans, so you got to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, Greg and Mortis, he plays a, a masked devil. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's right. going to be amazing, fans. I mean, oh, really, really go to Honey Spider and check it out. I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's a small movie, man, but we've put so much work into it. So yeah. I, th I think people will really like it. I'm excited to p finally put it out there. Congratulations. All right, guys. Well, thank you again for being here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Bye. Goodbye, guys. Bye. I was really good of them to do that. I'm very happy. Absolutely. Dr. Shock, I know you got to get going too, so tell them your plugs because you've got some great stuff going on over at DVD Infatuation this month. I I've been enjoying I it. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it's. I'm looking at um, all 31 days of October. Well, now it's over. Now this one's out. I mean, not really for me yet, but um, by the time everyone's hearing this, it'll be over. I've looked at uh, 31 horror films from uh, 2000 uh, and beyond, uh, the year 2000 and beyond, um, and I'm really sort of. And I'm I'm, I'm going to throw in some uh, you know some well-known ones in there. I did already take a look at Final Destination. Uh, but a lot of them I'm taking um, that I'm I'm doing are um, more independent-minded ones that maybe a lot of people didn't hear, and I've gotten into uh, like um, recently. I mean, we record when we're recording this, but uh, I took a look at a movie called Wilderness, uh, which is from England, and it's about this uh, group of kids from a um, almost like a, a youth uh, a juvenile detention center that uh, one kid gets bullied to the point that he commits suicide so they send the rest of them to this island uh, almost for like a teamwork type training and there is a killer running around on the island and it is a brutal film but uh, but well done and I, I did enjoy that and then uh, I re- recently rewatched uh, Eduardo Sanchez's um, Altered uh, which is uh, an alien film that's that's I saw it before and I liked it. I actually liked it more this time than I did the first time. It's it's a really excellent film. Uh, we, and we um, should review it in episode thirty-two. We should do that. Yeah, I I would like to do that. I would definitely like to do that. And I'll then join you. Um, now this is the the one actually that that the most recent one I posted is um, a comedy. It's it's more of a of a comedy sci-fi. It does have some horror, but it's called Infestation. Uh, it's a movie from two thousand nine about uh, a bug uh, invasion of Earth. Um, you know, there's there's uh, it, it starts off there's this loud noise and it's just everybody going about their business and then everybody wakes up they're in a cocoon. Um, you know that every every person on Earth has been put in a cocoon, and a few people wake up, and and um, it's it's just really about how they're trying to make their way to safety. Um, it, it, like I said, it has a lot more comedy in it, I think, than anything. I don't know that it's one of the scariest movies that you're going to see, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, and that's from 2009, called Infestation. So, um, yeah, and I, I'm enjoying this, and I and I actually have a few more lined up um, along the lines of the. Uh, you know, this sort of indie horror um, is is what my main focus is going to be. This uh, my, well, my, what my main focus was for this month. It was a lot of fun, but uh, you could check that out at dvdinfatuation.com, uh, and of course, I'm on Land of the Creeps as well with Greg and and Haddonfield and 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 Jesse Robbins, and so come on, check that out. Land of the it's Land of the Creeps.com, and and over on Twitter at, at Land of the Creeps, and that's about it. Okay. Awesome. Well, Thank you very much. And uh, what about you, Wolfman Josh? I just wanted to uh, tell people, I know we've got some new listeners coming in just for the Halloween episode. So if this is, you know, your first time listening to us, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to what I think our best work is, is the themed episodes. Jason, Jay of the Dead here is always holding down the Ford strong and providing a ton of content for everybody. But if you want, if you like the really, uh, great conversations like we've had with these movies i would recommend checking out some of our episodes like uh, the feral vampires episode haunted houses uh, the siege narrative proto slashers and i'd actually say that our halloween or our uh, christmas valentine's day and fourth of july episodes are pretty strong too i like i like the themes that kind of weave their way into those 
holidays as well so check those out and also just uh, follow me on twitter at Icarus Arts and we can have some great conversations online as well all right thank you we did it can you believe we did it nah that's awesome yeah <laughs> I know and now but I'm looking at some of the other things you got planned I'm like oh god it's gonna make this Halloween seem like a walk in the park something <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's fine. Eh? It's always it's always fun. Okay, well, that just about wraps up episode 31 of Horror Movie Podcast, and it also wraps up our Halloween extravaganza. We hope you've had a happy Halloween, and we hope that you had a good time listening to our in-depth Halloween reviews. Remember, even though we're usually a bi-weekly podcast, our next episode will release one week from today. It's Friday, November 7th, so you will actually have gotten six weeks of horror movie podcast in a row. And then we'll be back on our usual bi-weekly schedule where we release new episodes every other Friday, except on Black Friday in November, we're bringing you a bonus episode to listen to as you go shopping. So that'll be on Friday, November 28th. And once again, we want to thank our guests for joining us on this episode, Greg Amortis and Haddonfield Hatchet of the Land of the Creeps Horror Podcast, as well as the Pumpkin King, Kenny Caperton from the Myers House NC. He is also the writer of the new film, Honey Spider. We'll have their links in the show notes here for episode 31 at horrormoviepodcast.com. In episode 27, during our Halloween 3 review, the Pumpkin King, Kenny Caperton, teased us about a list of horror movies that he has compiled which transpire on Halloween. Well, that list is now linked in the show notes for this episode, number 31, as well as in episode 27. So you can find it in both places. It's a great list. Be sure to check it out. So thanks to Kenny Caperton of the Myers House NC. You can find all of our back episodes, all 31 episodes, as well as our archive from Horror Metropolis and the weekly horror movie podcast. We get a lot of good recommendations in those shows if you haven't heard them yet. By the way, Wolfman Josh and I have another show that's about movies. It's called MoviePodcastWeekly.com. We cover all genres over there, and we cover the new stuff that's in theaters. And I just want to take the time to thank our friend Frederick Ingram for the use of his music for our theme song. You can find Fred's music at FrederickIngram.com. And I think that's it for episode 31. We thank you for listening, and you can join us again next Friday for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about Halloween movies. In the same way that Frankenstein was a monster made of human parts, Michael Myers was a monster made of cinematic parts. The camera, the framing, light and shadow, sound, and editing. With all the powers of cinema at his disposal, Michael Myers embodied the means of his creation. He was death itself. Like witches and wizards, he was now part of the actual night of Halloween. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff.